Record. I'll give a wave like this just to let you know that that joke is over. I misbehave on stage, but I'm better than when I wasn't sober. Right, so uh, I've sobered up. There's still some blackouts. And, uh, I worked in Hyman's and survived tornadoes and trailers, but that don't mean I won't put in my two weeks later. Having a good time, baby, having a good time, baby. We're having a real good time. We're having a good time, baby. All right, uh, welcome to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name's Dusty Slay. I'm your host of the We're Having a Good Time podcast, and uh, I'm still trapped in quarantine, and uh, I still feel good, though. Um, you know, the, the days uh, from one day to the next, it's like, who knows what's going on? I woke up yesterday, I felt amazing. I thought, let's take on the world. And then today I woke up and I was like, why? Why even wake up today? What am I going to do? It's just another day of watching TV, walking around outside, trying to get plants to grow, some successfully, some unsuccessfully. And it takes a long time for plants to grow when you're looking at them every day. But you know what? This is the spot that we're in right now. And uh, we've given up our freedoms for safety, and here we are, hoping that what we're doing now will lead to uh, a better, cleaner society down the road. We're we're all going, you know what, we're willing to sacrifice this for now so that we can have a virus-free zone later. I mean, with all the quarantine, I hope that flu is down in general. I hope that all sicknesses are down. Maybe some people are finding some home remedies for their own STDs. Maybe we can eradicate all viruses during the quarantine. Hopefully, since we're not around each other, all sickness goes away, and we emerge out of this a happier, healthier society. Uh, let's hope. All right. <laughs> but all that said, I feel great. Um, I hate that we're locked down like this. I really do, but I feel good. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm learning, uh, to do things. I'm, I'm learning new skills. I'm still able to go to the Home Depot, even though they get more authoritarian in there every day. Uh, it's so insane how much they don't want us to be near each other. I just, I don't understand. I mean, uh, but it's fine, right? Isn't it fine? Isn't it fine? It is. All right, this podcast, I want to talk about quitting drinking. Somebody messaged me, a friend of mine messaged me yesterday and asked me what episode of the podcast that I talk about quitting drinking. And there's been so many, to be honest. I mean, this is a big thing for me that I talk about a lot. But I thought, you know what? I need a podcast topic. Let's go in depth Let's talk about quitting drinking. Let's talk about what I did to quit drinking. And I thought, well, we could continue the theme and I could go along with some of my favorite songs um, as 
um, as I talk about quitting drinking. Um, so I think two things are important um, to understand when you know about my drinking journey. Number one is I loved drinking. I didn't drink a little bit here and there and go, you know what, this is not for me. I loved drinking. Many times I said, this is not for me. Many times I said, I have got to quit this. And many times I did for a month, for a week, for a couple of days, depending on what kind of situation I had got myself into, the bigger the situation, the longer I would quit drinking for. You know, I got beat up. I quit drinking for a week. I wrecked a car. I quit drinking for a month. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's like, uh, you know, and eventually I quit. But also another part to this that I never talk about because, you know, I am sensitive to people's beliefs and I am sensitive to uh, the fact that I may have, you know, fans uh, and listeners of many different faiths. So I don't often talk about my religious beliefs, but I've always been religious. I've always been a Christian. And even throughout my drinking, I would get up hungover and go to church. I, I was raised to go to church. I mean, we didn't always go. We weren't a strict religious family. I, I, I come from a divorced family, and we would go on Christmas. We would go on Easter. My dad would send me up to church. I would, a lot of times he would either drop me off or I would ride my four-wheeler up to church. Um, in and out in high school, I did some campus life stuff, which was a, kind of a youth Christian uh, program. I would I spoke in front of a big room of donors about how I came to uh, Jesus at Campus Life and this and that. Which that's not actually true, but uh, that that was a. Uh, but it it worked. I didn't. I guess I did lie, <laughs> but uh, it felt like it was the type of lie where you. Um, you know, I was in a room with a guy, and you know, a lot of us were in there. This is not going to be a weird story. And I felt like it felt like that, that that he felt like he was leading me to Jesus, and I uh, didn't want to take that away from him. So I went through all the motions that I had already been through in the past. But I felt like, oh man, this guy feels like you know he was an older counselor. He felt like he was really doing it. So then I went through all those motions, and then they asked me along with some other guys to speak at a donors thing talk about how what campus life has done for me and I did enjoy the program and I did enjoy the people I made some really good friends out of that and I didn't mind speaking because I felt like it had done a lot for me I could have got into other things as opposed to campus life but then as I got older and my party life began to pick up uh, those things went separate ways I I drifted away I never lost faith but I drifted away uh, and uh when I moved to Charleston, I became more religious. But uh, funny, I became more religious as I began to drink more. So uh, I want to talk about how much I love drinking and and then how I eventually quit. But I want to preface it with that and let you know this will not be a preachy podcast, but it is an important part to my journey that I oftentimes don't include. Um. 
you know, because I know that so many people, uh, you know, due to whatever they've experienced in their life, have now been turned off to all religion. Um, And I understand there's a lot of bad stuff happening out there. And if you just look at things uh, on the surface, you go, gosh, is religion even good at all? But I can tell you for me, it's uh, it's been very good. I, I wish that I could have, and maybe one day I will have even more in-depth conversations about different things I've done in my life that maybe a lot of people don't know. Uh, but today we'll focus on drinking, and I'm going to start with this song. I've played this song on the podcast before. I'm not going to play it in full, but I will play a good portion of it because I heard this song just about a year ago. It's by a guy named, I don't even know how to say his last name, but I'm going to just guess, Aaron Lee Tajan. It's T-A-S-J-A-N. I've never heard his name spoke before, so I don't know, and I think he lives here in Nashville. But I really like this song, and I'm just going to play like the first verse because I think this song really illustrates how I feel about drinking. Oh, sorry, I didn't, I don't have my, I don't have my thing plugged in here. All right, so let's start over. Now we're properly plugged in. The trouble with drinking is it ain't no trouble at all. I don't have no problem when it comes to alcohol It's as easy to come by as the air that I breathe Unless I'm low on money or too high on the weed Some guys lose their woman Some guys lose their nerve some guys lose their temper and use those nasty words. I just lose my troubles and hell if I don't mind. When I wake up tomorrow, they'll be too easy to find. Cause the trouble with drinking is it ain't no trouble at all. And I don't have no problem when it comes to it's as easy to come by as the air that I breathe Unless I'm low on money or too high on me Alright, so I want to play a little bit of that song to let you know I mean, I love drinking and I was a beast, okay? This is not going to be a podcast about me bragging about how much I could drink, okay? But I was a beast. I may be drunk off three beers, but I could drink all day. I may black out. I may, in fact, I probably will black out. I'll probably say something that I'll regret in the morning. But I can stand there and I can drink all day. I can do shots and 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 I can go. I mean, I can go to a dark place, but I'll wake up in the morning and I'll go, man. I wish I didn't do that last night, but then I'll be back doing it later that night. I mean, I love it. I mean, so. Around about 14 or 15, I started trying to drink a little bit. You know, I would, I remember 
going camping with my stepbrother and some of his friends, and we would we would have us a couple of beers, and I would drink one, you know, and I would think it was disgusting, and I wouldn't wouldn't like it, but I thought, well, this is what people are doing. This is what grownups do. I mean, I had seen my mom drinking with her friends. I had seen my dad having a few beers with his friends. Never too much, but I had seen them all drinking. Uh, I remember my mom drinking Zimas, you know, and wine coolers. I remember a, a man coming over to go hunting in our woods behind, and he we had some wild turkey in the freezer, and he filled his flask up with wild turkey before he went out in the woods hunting. I was around drinking, and it seemed so fun. Everybody that I saw drinking was having a great time, and I wanted to be a part of that. So I was slowly starting to drink, and then I was probably – I don't know, around 14 or 15. I was a late bloomer in a lot of ways. But once I bloomed, I mean, I was, boom, it was balls to the wall, you know? So I imagine I was 14 or 15. I never really learned a lot about dating, but I had been kind of seeing this girl to the best of my ability, uh, meaning that I didn't know how to date forever. And I, I was seeing this girl, her, her, mom was dating my friend's dad. And so we, I would see them around and I was hanging out at a keg party at a chicken coop. Now a chicken coop, for those who don't know, that's like those big half cylinder things that you see on the ground. They're, they're, they're huge. They're like a, it's like a tower fell over. It was cut in half and fell over and it just houses chickens. There's lots of chickens in there. And in the front room of this chicken house I don't even remember the people. I could drive you there. It's outside of the town of Lafette, Alabama, outside of Penton, and I could drive you over there. I rode my four-wheeler over there with some friends, and they had a couple of pool tables set up. They had some kegs, and and I was there. And this girl that I was seeing, her name was Alicia, was there, and me and Alicia start making out. And this is the first time I had ever done that. Now, I had kissed a girl in the sense of lip to lip before but this is the first time that I was really getting some tongue action you know what I mean and we were making out leaned up next to a tractor at a keg party in a chicken coop and I was very excited about it but I had a curfew I had a time that I needed to be home so I got on the four-wheeler and went home very excited about this later my friends were making fun of me for leaving the girl that I was making out with, and maybe I should have been made fun of. But at that point, I mean, for me, I'm all about a person that likes to to ease in. I'm like, let's enjoy what we got here, and then let's take the next step later. And uh, they thought that I should have been going all the way. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm thinking, guys, this is a big moment for me. This is something big has just happened for me here, and I don't think that you appreciate the volume of what's happened. And they didn't. They continued to make fun of me about it. And, uh, but in my mind, I'm like, Hey, I just made out with a girl. Okay. You can make fun of me all you want, but I've just done something in my mind, very big. So that's, and I had had a couple of beers at that party, you know, and I felt a little bit of a buzz, but you know, and then, and then as time went on, I'm, 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 15, I'm riding around with my buddy, John Sullivan. He's 16 now. And me and John both want to get drunk. I mean, we've never gotten drunk before, and we both want to do it. And But John's driving me around. I think he picked up my friend Brad. The three of us are riding around, and we got a couple of beers, and we're trying to get drunk, but we can't do it. John's not – John. to be clear, John is a very good guy, and he, even back then, was not drinking and driving. 
uh, he was driving me and Brad around while we're trying to get drunk. And then uh, the first time I get drunk, I'm hanging out with a lot of my high school friends, and we go to a keg party, and I officially get drunk. I uh, threw up, uh, may have drank pee, and got somebody drew all over my stomach, and then I got caught. Uh, so it was all of the worst of everything that happened, but somehow it was still a blast. I was like, I've gotten in trouble, and I've been made fun of, and I've potentially drank pee, but what a blast. So then my mom, uh, you know, my mom was dating a guy, and she was spending a little time over at his house, but also her mom was sick. So she was spending a lot of time at her mom's, being with her mom. So my house was basically wide open. And this is high school. I'm living a mile. Now, I grew up in a trailer until I was 14, and then I moved into this house at 15. And now here I am, 16, 17 years old, and I got this house wide open to me. And it becomes party central. I'm like, we're a mile. I'm just telling people at school. I'm like, come over to the house tonight. We're a mile right in front of the school here, 905 Lake Condy Road. And man, did people start coming there. It started small, a little party, little gathering here, but then it turned wild. I remember I went to prom in 11th grade. I went to prom and uh, after. After prom, everybody came back to my house. We had quite the party. Me and my date, we never hooked up, but me and my date were in our underwear. She's in bra and panties. I'm in underwear, and I have her I have her legs up on my shoulders in the living room, and we're dancing. I mean, this party is wild, and and this continued on for a long time. I mean, this these parties at my mom's house, continued all the way through high school and uh, even into the summer after. I mean, it was a wild place. I mean, everybody was coming there and it was a great time. Just a one, sure, some drama happened here and there, but overall it was just a a good time. The cops came once in a while and uh, I remember I had some girls up from the Valley, which is a town near Opelika and they were very attractive, and I was very excited to have them at my party, and that was one of the best parties we ever had, and the cops came, and we, I got busted. I didn't go to jail. I just got you know, sent to – my mom had to come and, and bust up the party, and my brother-in-law busted up a party once, very intimidating. He's a very big dude. He came in and busted up the party. He didn't want to. We partied together later, but he had to. My mom sent him over. He had to do it. And uh, it was, oh, he came in and it was a wild time. And uh, I mean, uh, that naked dancing was not the only time that happened. I mean, we had quite, if I had been uh, given some more time, I think we would have started a cult over there. And uh, if the cops had never caught, who knows what would have happened. I mean, the summer after high school, I didn't have a job. I spent a couple of months just hanging out over there. I remember cutting grass with my buddy Tom Tom Bullington we would cut grass and he would give me enough money to buy cigarettes and other things and uh and then we would just hang out at the house and party and drink and then i mean uh you know I went to a a new year's eve party i've talked about this one be- once before this is in 99 because i remember everybody singing the song tonight i'm going to party like it's 1999 and i got to this this was in Auburn and I was at a, it was a college party and I got to dance with this really attractive girl 
and uh, I got to feel on her breast. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Drinking is great. Partying is great. I love this. Uh, the same people who had that party had a different party at a double wide trailer in Auburn. And we went there and I thought, well, I got to feel on boobs last time. It's got to be that good this time. And I was dancing with all the girls. I was grinding up on them, whether they wanted it or not, you know, I mean, and they got, people got mad at me. They got very upset with me. And we went out and got into my, uh, Ford Bronco two, my red Ford Bronco two, 1984 edition. And this was my car. But I was too drunk. My friend Joey was driving, and then we had some other people in the car. I won't list the names because this is a story that we don't often – we don't talk about. Uh, so I won't share the names, but uh, I will say what happened. I mean we're in this car, and this group of dudes come bum-rushing the car. Like big dudes come rushing the car, and they go over to the driver's side where I'm supposed to be, and my friend driving locks the door. And then they go around to the passenger side and they open it. And this guy, this big guy that we only know as Baby D, uh, started punching my friend. And we're all like, what is happening? And he's like, you shouldn't have been dancing with my girl. And my friend was never dancing with his girl. That was probably me. And some of the girls did enjoy it. I, I want to say that. I mean, I was I was a partier, and I was you know I was doing fine. And we took off, and that's a story we don't talk about. It was fine. My friend was fine. He's very tough, uh, not a fighter, but tough. And uh, and but I was just like, wow, the adventures that we're having. I mean, and then this was all before twenty one. I mean, it's party central. And then I turned twenty one, still living in Opelika. I had uh, moved into a trailer. I had bought the trailer that I grew up in, and now I was living out in that trailer. And, um, oh, yeah, I mean, even prior to turning 21, I was living in that trailer. And, you know, I lost my license. I had joined the Army, and uh, I went and took the physical, and then I got back, and the recruiter gave me some bad advice. So I went out and partied a little bit. I got arrested for underage consumption of alcohol and possession of marijuana, which is not on my record because I got youthful offender. I had, I did, I committed one crime, and now I'm, I'm okay. I paid a lot for a lawyer, but I'm okay. And the, um, so I'm living in this trailer now, and then you know I'm living there for a little while, and then court comes around, and I lose my license for nine months. So I'm working at Office Depot. I got a buddy that's living with me for free on the condition that he drives me to work every day so I can pay my rent, and I'm living in this trailer, and we're, you know, we're drinking beer and Jack Daniels all day, and we're out there in the heat of the summer. We don't have a lawnmower. The grass is up to my knees. We're standing in the grass getting eat up by all kind of insects and shooting each other with BB guns while we're drunk on Jack Daniels. I mean, the party goes on, the party continues and we are living it up and I'm not even 21 yet. Keep in mind, I've always been, I've always looked young, right? So even at, at, there's no fake IDs for me. I've snuck into a couple of college parties, but I usually didn't last long. Nobody, I didn't know anything about classes. You're like, you're going to Auburn? I'm like, yeah. They're like, what, what kind of classes you taking? I'm like, business. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm taking business, stay out of my business, you know, but I never could fool people for long. I would, I would fool them for a little while. And I mean, the story of the stories that I could tell of that time, 
uh, is is limitless, but I'm afraid to tell some of them. I don't need to be airing out some of that business. I don't mean that I did anything wrong or bad that, that I wouldn't want people to know about. I just, I don't know that I need to share all the stories. But uh, so, so I'm living in this trailer. We're living like this. My friend John Strickland, he, well, I shouldn't say everybody's last name, but he had been in jail for a little while and he got out and popped up at Office Depot one day, and I was like, and we, I have the pictures of this. It's amazing. It's John showing up at Office Depot, and then boom, pictures of us at the trailer, and we're getting wild. I mean, we're tearing it up. We're drinking like, I mean, we're drinking like like he just got out of jail. And, uh, and then I turned 21. Now I'm finally able to legally drink in a bar. I go to a bar in in uh, Auburn. I forget what it's called. It was a pretty popular one near the mall. If you're from the area, you'll know. Um, but I had never done that before, and I thought, well, this is amazing. I got pretty wasted, like you're supposed to. And then you know, then that continues on. And I remember going uh, to an Applebee's one night with some people. And Applebee's was pretty nice in the area. It's right in front of the mall. And I had a bunch of Long Island iced teas, and I was out flirting with a bunch of women, and I had some, I had some stuff really going on. I mean, I went to a, an apartment with two girls, and the only thing in the apartment was a bed. I feel like there was a real setting there for something to go down, and I got sick. I got sick. I had too many Long Island iced teas. I did not know about blending that many types of liquor together all night and what that would do to your body. So I had too many of them, and I ended up having to uh, <laughs> having to leave. And it's one of the great, uh, great sadnesses of my life that I got sick and missed out on whatever opportunity might have presented itself. And see, that's where the com- the conflict always comes in for me. Is I am religious, but I am a uh, you know, I am a, a a weak man. I mean, as many of us are, we are, uh, many of us are very weak and, uh, my stomach gave out on me that night of all the nights to get sick. I blacked out many times with much more liquor, but regardless, I ended up getting sick. I missed work the next day and, you know, in the, in the, and it just rolled on. And then shortly after turning 21, I moved to Charleston, South Carolina. Now, the first few months in Charleston, South Carolina, I I drank a little bit here and there, but for a while, I didn't have any friends. Uh, I mean, I moved there with my friend Joey. Joey moved his girlfriend up right away. Um, It caused a lot of stress for us at the time. We worked through it. Uh, I remember one of the early times in Charleston, me and Joey are walking around downtown, and this guy comes rolling up behind us in a truck, and he says, I see you guys walking, bebopping along here. You got your long hair. I had long hair at that time, too. He said, you got your long hair. He said, I'm heading on down to 82 Queen. If you want to join me, the first drink's on me. So me and Joey, who don't have a lot of money, are like, well, we don't know about this guy, and this could be a creepy thing. We don't even know what 82 Queen is, uh, and we don't know this guy. So this could be... Um, a bad situation for us, but we're like, it's a free drink though. Let's go do it. Turns out 82 Queen, fine dining restaurant. I had a little history with 82 Queen in the years to follow, but we, we go to 82 Queen with this guy named Kenny and he's an older dude, got a bit of longer hair, glasses, and he, um, 
we just sit there and drink with him. We have several drinks. And and then he goes, I got another place called Mama's Blues House if you guys want to join me there. And so we go out, we get in his truck, and he pulls out uh, a pipe with some weed in it, and uh, we partake. And we're having a good time. We're partying out here. We're riding on down to the next bar, and he's playing Leon Russell. I had never heard of Leon Russell, and he's playing it. And this is where I first heard Leon Russell, and this was the album that he was playing. Uh, I'll play a little bit of it right here. So that's Leon Russell, and I've been into Leon Russell ever since that time. If you don't know, I recommend the album Leon Russell and the Shelter People. Also, uh, Leon Russell, Tightrope, and there is another very famous song by Leon Russell. The album is Leon Russell, Leon Russell, and it is a song for you. I'll play a little bit of that. My life and time I've sung a lot of songs I've made some bad rhymes I've acted out my love in stages With 10,000 people watching But we're alone now And I'm singing this song to you I know your image of me is what I hope to be I treated you unkindly but All right, what a great song. All right, I could go on and on. I get into it. I got the headphones on. I don't know if you've listened to music in headphones in a long time, but it's amazing. Not earbuds, headphones. Put them on. Capture it. Shut out all the sound. Let the music come in. It feels great. So we're leaving 82 Queen with Kenny, little little ripped, and we're going heading over to Mama's Blues House. Turns out Mama's Blues House is closed. I never even got to go to the place. We popped over to another restaurant, had a couple of drinks, and then Kenny was gone and we never saw him again. But Charleston, that was just the beginning of Charleston for me. 
Me and me and Joey went out and drank at a place in North Charleston called the Plex, which was a giant old movie theater, I think, where they had many different rooms for drinking. Me and Joey got so drunk in there. I danced with some women he didn't like. He got frustrated with me. We went to the Waffle House. We argued about it. Joey left me, and then I got kicked out of the Waffle House and drove home. And I was drunk enough to get kicked out of a Waffle House and drove home. So that'll tell you something. But that'll tell you where I was at. So, but things, you know, I moved down to, um, I moved down to downtown Charleston. Me and Joey split, and I moved downtown to a place called Sergeant Jasper, a big building. I lived on the ninth floor, and I could walk downtown. I had started working at Hyman's, and I had started selling pesticides. I started doing those both of those jobs simultaneously around 2004, and. Uh, you know, I started to make a few friends. I remember hanging out with my friend Kevin. We called him Sleepy. He took me out, took me to a bar called Cumberland's where we drank 25-cent beers. I think I've talked about this before. Drank 25-cent beers uh, while we watched The Simpsons. While The Simpsons were on, you could do 25-cent Duff beer. Then we went to a place called um, uh, AC's Bar and Grill, and I got so wasted I uh, had a blast. I got wasted and went to Kevin's house. He lived on Spring Street, which at the time. Sorry. At the time seemed like a very uh, dangerous street. And, and it was uh, this was in the wintertime. Kevin's heat didn't work. I was. I was sleeping uh, in a in in my coat. I had an army jacket that I was sleeping in. Uh, and I woke up and threw up all over his floor and then went home. So that was the early drinking. But this is when things really turned around. Me and Joey started to become friends again. We were mad at each other. We moved out of the apartment. We became friends again and decided to move to Folly Beach. So the two of us moved to Folly Beach. We were two blocks from the beach, a block from the center street, which was where all the bars were at. I had friends that I used to work with at Hyman's that were now bartending on on the beach. Um, The beach just became this unbelievable thing for us. Folly Beach was just amazing. I mean, me and Joey were living there. We had a few different friends. And then one day after work, it was me and Greg and Cole me and Greg and Cole all all waited tables together at Hyman's. We were all servers. And these three girls invited us out to a bar after we got off work. And we were like, fantastic. And as we're walking over there, this other guy who's a food runner, and in the hierarchy of the service industry, food running is below a server, right? So this guy named Mike is coming along with us. And I'm like, I'm like, who's this guy? I'm like, we got three girls. We got three guys. Why are we bringing this guy? So we're sitting at the table. We've been drinking for a while. And um, the girl criticizes me about something. One of the girls criticizes me about something. And Mike comes to my aid. <laughs> and uh, I was like, okay. And then the next day, so I invite Mike over to my place. Uh, So the next day he comes over to the beach and me and Mike start drinking. And then we learn pretty quick that we drink the same way, that we got the same mentality, that we're on the same page. I mean, we are, we are like, I mean, everything is, is locked in. I mean, we're keyed in. 
And me and Mike start partying like you wouldn't believe. I mean, we're partying. Uh, we're, 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 you know, Mike's coming over to my house every day. We're drinking. We're partying. I know it drove, drove Joey crazy because Joey had a real job. I mean, oftentimes me and Mike would come over. We would, I would go to work at Spectricide, the place where I sold pesticides, at like 7 a.m., but I would be off at noon. I would only work 20 hours a week, five hours a day. So I would do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, five hours a day. So I would be at work at seven, but off by noon. So I'm off at noon. I'm Mike meets me there. We're drinking. We would usually drink into the night. I had various friends along the way that I would drink with, but Mike was the main one. We would drink well into the night. I would go to sleep really late, wake up. I would not shower before bed because I would usually pass out. And then I wake up with not time to shower. So I would have sand in my crotch, not to mention that I'm sweaty and I got beer leaking out of me. And I would get what, what they call a uh, 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 swamp ass or some people, as it was written on the wall in Big John's, was called saber tooth crotch crickets. And you just you just get chafed. And you're just hurting. I'm out there pulling pallets of fertilizer, chafed up, hurting, dying, getting off work, doing it again, doing it again. And this continues. This continues. I move off of Folly Beach and I move in with Mike. Me and Mike and my friend Will get an apartment on James Island. The drinking continues. It's party central. We keep it going. Now I finally got rid. I mean, I say got rid, but I finally... Uh, Joey has moved out. Joey went back to to uh, Alabama to marry uh, his girlfriend, and they're still happily married with a couple of kids. Very good for them. And me and Mike now have, have the person with a real job out of the way. We're drinking. We're doing power hour. Power hours where you take a shot of beer every minute for an hour. Uh, we did that for an hour and a half, then did shots of liquor. I passed out. Mike went to the bar. Um I mean, we are, um, <laughs> I mean, we're on, on fire for drinking. We're still meeting every Saturday, every Sunday, uh, every Sunday, not Saturday, every Sunday down on Folly Beach for, um, to meet on 8th Street where all the Hyman's people are going. And we had a giant group every Sunday down on the beach. I mean, I would go to Folly Beach. I would go to a place called Snapper Jacks. My friend David bartended there. Upstairs, he had uh, only one draft beer. He had Yingling on tap, and he said, as long as you drink Yingling, you're fine. And I would drink Yingling all night and leave, and he would have charged me for one beer. I mean, I, I was wasted. I'd be so wasted I could barely walk home. I don't know how I would do it if I had to drive. Once a, a cop saw me at the gas station uh, acting up, just talking. And he saw me get in the car and he's like, you can't drive. And I was like, I know the key's not in the ignition. And he helps me push it into a parking spot and then drives me home. Um, I mean, the, the, the whole thing is wild. I had a girl come visit me from Opelika once and me and her and her friend and one of my friends, Robert, we drove down to Savannah. We're drinking in the morning. We drive to Savannah. We drink all day and then we drive home. I mean, that's two hours. We have, we have no chill about the way we're drinking, and we're not apologizing about it. We're having a great time. I mean, Hyman's for me in general. I've made a million friends all based around drinking. 
we used to go after, I mean, prior to working at, or prior to that real peak of that, in the early days of Spectreside, I would, I would, you know, get off work and pop over to Gene's Hofbrau in West Ashley for, you know, um, you know, for a couple of drinks, I'd have a makers on the rocks just by myself feeling like, and I'd eat some food feeling like I was, you know, I was a real King. I mean, that's what I do. I'm a grown up. I drink alone. And then, uh, uh, as the years went on I me, mean, some of my favorite places, I mean, jeans, jeans took on a whole new place, but there was big John's. Uh, I've been drunk in big John's so many times. I once wrote on the wall, everybody wrote on the wall in the bathroom, but I wrote here I am again, like I said, I wouldn't be because I would go there every day and every day I'd be like, I'm not going back to big John's. I gotta, I gotta stop going to big John's, but yet there I was back at big John's. I used to drink in the upper deck. I hosted an open mic. When I started comedy again, I was hosting an open mic at the upper deck. I used to have drunk, mad ravings. Uh, some of the most, probably my best comedy came out of drunken, just rants on stage. The audience loved it. My friends loved it. I have no recordings of them. Thank goodness. Uh, T-Bones, that's, they used to brew their own beer, a little steakhouse down the way. We would get off from Hyman's. We'd pop over to T-Bones and eat a steak sandwich, and have 17 beers before we had to go home. Uh, there was uh, Yo Burrito. I used to host trivia. I would shotgun beers in the in the back. In between, I would ask a question, go into the back with the kitchen. We'd shotgun a beer. I'd go back out, ask the question. People used to yell at me all the time hosting trivia. I couldn't read the questions well, and they would go, quit drinking. And I'm like, I'm only doing this because I get to drink. That's not happening. Uh, I, Big Gun Burger, that's where I, 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 I took my – that was the place that I was hosting an open mic up until I left Charleston. I mean that was my spot. I started there. I started that drinking, ended as a sober person. Burns Lane. Burns Lane was a bar right next to my apartment. I used to go out drinking, drive home, be wasted, park my car, walk into Burns, be like, you know what? I'll have one more. I can barely stand. Why not have another? ACs, I would drink there over the years. Juanita Greenberg's was a place. We would go have margaritas and 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 uh, quesadillas and just talk. I've been drunk there many times. Theater 99. I loved having beers at Theater 99. I mean, these things just continued on and on and on. My friend Shane from Opelika got married, and he at his wedding, uh, Shane and Audrey, still good friends of mine. I don't see them as much as I'd like to, but still good friends of mine. I love them. They live in Opelika, and they had a wedding down in Key West. Now, I was invited, and I was invited uh, to bring one guest so I tell Shane, I say, I know I'm only allowed one guest. I'm bringing three people, but the other two people don't have to come to any of the wedding functions. They're just coming for that drive. He said, okay, no problem. He said, bring them. Bring them to the wedding. I don't care. So me and my friend Will, Will is from Opelika as well, and uh, and Mike, who my the best drinking buddy that I ever had, and uh, and believe me, I had a lot of them, and a lot of them I I really love drinking with. But I just I wish that I could get my I don't even know what Mike's up to these days. I wish that I could get Mike on the podcast just to talk about some of those times. I have a lot of videos of me and Mike drinking, but it's extremely embarrassing for me. But me and Mike, and then our friend Kelly, 
Kelly is uh, was from West Virginia. She's now moved back to West Virginia, but she came down and worked with us for a short time at Hyman's, and Kelly could hang. So the four of us loaded up in Kelly's car, and we drove down to Key West, Florida. We drove through the night, and we came. We got to Key West as the sun was coming up in on May 18th, my birthday. So we pull up into Key West. We can't check into our hotel yet. We got a bottle of tequila, but nothing to mix it with. We're driving from store to store trying to find um, places for margarita mix. We find it. We can't check into our hotel yet, and there's breakfast for the wedding uh, at around 10 or so, but we're there at 6 a.m., so we got to kill some time. So we find that margarita mix. We go to our hotel. We put on our bathing suits. We get in the hotel pool. We're partying from 6 to 10 in the pool. We, we're not even checked in yet. We're drunk. Somebody brought over a tray of jello shots. They're like, do you guys want these? They're like, we're checking out today and we can't drink them. Do you want them? We're over there crushing them like maniacs, like we've been starving for two weeks and somebody brought over a tray of food. We're crushing them. We're in the pool trying to see how many of us we can stack on top of each other. I was on the bottom. Mike got on my shoulders and then Kelly got on Mike's shoulders and we held that. I mean... We were insane. We showed up to the brunch the first day of the wedding wasted. We're wasted. I mean, the whole Key West trip, I was so wasted. I mean, I um, uh, may or may not have have hooked up with an older lady uh, (laughs) while in Key West. Uh, We're staying at a place called El Patio, which we for sure thought would be some uh, Mexican guy's front porch when we got there and it was a hotel and we were a wreck. We went scuba diving. Me and Mike and Kelly all went snorkeling one day. And we got got to the uh got to the I don't know, the ticket counter. They sold us our tickets and then they said to us, they go, "Listen, the water's really rough today. It's not really the best time for snorkeling. We will let you cash it in for a rain check or you can go. And we're like, well, we're leaving tomorrow. We can't use a rain check, so we're going to do it. And the idea was that we would go out on this boat and then on the way back, we get free drinks all the way back. So we thought, well, that's perfect. So we're hung over. We took a good 30-minute ride out in some rough water. By the time we get there to go snorkeling, we're sick. We get in the water. The water's so rough. Mike's throwing up in the ocean. The uh, I'm looking down. I'm seeing what I think is barracudas. I'm like, that doesn't seem like what I want to see out here. And we nearly drown. And we get back on the boat. We're all too sick. We had we we pour we each poured ourselves one beer. My very first Facebook photo, my very first Facebook profile photo in 2008 is me sitting on a boat, uh, coming back from uh, snorkeling in Key West. Uh, with my shirt off, probably holding a beer. That's the only beer we had. I don't even think we finished them. And then it was just party, party, party. I'm going to play a couple of songs here that we were listening to during this time that uh, I really thought were quite the anthem for me. I, um, So this first one, uh, I remember playing to my friend Mike on Folly Beach. I'm going to play a little bit of this. Yeah. 
I can make anybody pretty I can make you believe any lie I can make you pick a fight With somebody twice your size well, I've been known to cause a few breakups I've been known to cause a few births well, I can make you new friends Or get you fired from work And since the day I left Milwaukee Lynchburg and Bordeaux, France Been making the bars Lots of big money Helping white people dance I got you in trouble in high school But college now, that was a ball You had some of the best times You'll never remember with me Alcohol Alright, I mean, that, that song was a real anthem for me. Um, I love that. Here's another, um, I'm just going to play a few here and then then this thing is going to take a turn. This is, uh, Merle Haggard's most, that was Brad Paisley alcohol. This is Merle Haggard's most popular song on Spotify. Could be holding you tonight. Could quit doing wrong, start doing right. You don't care about what I think I think I'll just stay here and drink I mean, I'm like, ain't nobody gonna tell me nothing I'm, I'm gonna stay here and drink Nobody's gonna tell me nothing And this is, uh, let's see, another I mean, this one, I mean, believe me When we were singing, when we were living in the trailer park I mean, me and my buddies drinking I mean, this song was playing nonstop a real close family But lately some of my kin folks have disowned a few others and me I guess it's because I kind of changed my direction Lord I guess I went and broke their family tradition They get on me one I mean, that song, uh, that played nonstop around the trailer. When I moved to Charleston, I bought myself, I went to a, um, I actually went to the library and I checked out some music CDs and I burned them and I got myself the Jimmy Buffett songs you know by heart. (laughs) 
you think, how does this cheeseburger song apply to drinking? Well, what did we love to do? We love to go to happy hour, eat a big fat hamburger, some shrimp cocktail, some oysters on the half shell. We like to take a little oyster, cut the oyster out of the shell, pour a little vodka in there, a little horseradish, a little hot sauce, take it, shoot it. You know what I mean? My friend Kevin Sleepy taught me that. And uh, oyster shooters. I mean, we loved it. I mean, we were eating, we were drinking. Uh, Pirate Looks at 40, another great Jimmy Buffett song. Margaritaville, obviously. But here's one right here uh, that uh, that I really loved. Jimmy Buffett. Nothing makes you want to drink like Jimmy Buffett. I really do appreciate the fact you're sitting here. Voice sounds so wonderful, but your face don't look too clear. So barmaid, bring a pitcher, another round of brew. Honey, why don't we get drunk and screw? I mean, it's just like it, it, the good times that you can have drinking. It's unbelievable what drinking does. I mean, you have a few beers and you're like, wow, this is a party. We're having a good time. You're like, I don't care that I have to go to work tomorrow. I don't care about this. I don't care about that. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. We're drinking. I mean, when I worked, I mean, I've talked about this before, but it sticks out in my mind. When I went, one year while I was selling pesticides, I was just getting into comedy. I just, and, and the girl that worked for the competition, we started to see each other and we would drink every day. I didn't care about my job anymore. I didn't care. I mean, it was like, all I want to do is drink with this person. We just would drink all the time. And drinking was so a part of my life. I mean, it. my jokes, I in, in late 2011, I won. Now, the Charleston Comedy Festival had been going for quite a while. Um, in 2009, I competed. And I won third place. In 2010, I didn't make it out of the first round. In 2011, I won. I almost dropped out. I actually, I'll tell you this. This is how big, I used to love to drink and watch Alabama play football. I still do. I'm actually glad that this quarantine is not happening during football season. I love to watch football. And... The Alabama-LSU game in 2010 was a big game. They were both undefeated. It was a big game. And I was in this competition, and I had been moved to the second round. Um, and I, there was a Friday and there was a Saturday for the final round or for the, for the next round. And I was like, ooh, I want to do that. So I emailed the, uh, the place, and I said, hey, I know you have Friday and Saturday. I just want to say that... Uh, you know, and I was just honest. I was like, I really want to watch this football game on Saturday. So if you could put me on the Friday, that would be great. And they wrote me back and they said, we're sorry, we can only put you on Saturday. And I said, okay, well, I want to drop out because I wanted to watch this game and I didn't care about the competition. This was 2011. I said, 2010, I mean, 2011, I said, well, I'm going to drop out. And they go, okay. And then later on, they call me and they go, hey, we've actually had someone drop out on Friday. Do you want it? I said, yes. I went in. I made it to the final round. I ended up winning. 
I ended up winning the competition. This is the first year and the first real validation I had as a comic was, wow, I won this competition. I won $1,000 and and I um, and I uh, interestingly enough, that night hooked up with a girl that had uh, left me uh, for someone else at some point and uh, it felt pretty good. I will be honest with you, it felt pretty good. It felt like a win all around. I felt like I was on top of the world. I was I was winning big time, right? And so, you know, that goes along. I mean, I'm still seeing this girl even on up and through New Year's. Me and her spent New Year's together, drinking, partying. That's January. 2010. Towards the end of 2010, I had gone out to L.A. I visited L.A. I spent a week out there with one of my former roommates. I had intentions of moving to L.A. I wanted to move to L.A., that was a big deal for me. I had now I was now a contest winner. I was very funny. I wanted to move to LA, so I went. I hung out for a week in Hollywood. I enjoyed it. Uh, my friend Nick and then my friend Sam was out in LA at the same time. Me and him hung out. We did some shows. We did some open mics. It was a great time. I had I was dead set on moving to LA. Spent New Year's with the girl, and then I went up to New York one more time. My friend said, "Well, maybe you should consider New York instead of LA." And let me let me, he said, "I need a ride back to New York." You drive me there. You can stay with me uh, for a few days and just, you know, just see the city. And I go, that's a great idea. So I went uh, with my friend John. I drove him home. I stayed there. I I hung out with my friend Tim. We did open mics together in New York, and then we would drink. And then every night I would walk home a little tipsy, and I would have I would stop by a White Castle, and I would have a, a few a uh, few White Castles, and and then I would pass out on an air mattress on the floor, uh, really out of shape and disgusting looking, I'm sure. And I would do that. And then um, then I drove home. I drove home from New York, and I chain-smoked all the way in a Honda Fit that I was now driving. And I got home on a Thursday. My friend Derek was hosting my Yo Burrito trivia for me, so I got home in time to go see him. I drank with Derek that night. We really partied. I drank on Friday, really partied. And then on Saturday, I was like, I'm pretty tired. I don't want to drink anymore. But I had a date. I had a date lined up with a girl that I had not gone out with before. So I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to go out with her. And January, so much had happened. And I'm going to go out with her. So we go out. We go to Pearl's. We have a few oysters, which I loved. Uh, We have a few drinks. And we pop over to Big John's. Have a few drinks. One of my favorite bars of all time. Then I go, I take her back to her car. We had a great date. She's interested in going on a date with me again. I'm interested in going on a date with her again. Uh, Things were great. They really worked out. I stop over at Yo Burrito on my way home. I say, let's have one more beer. I have another beer. I go back to my apartment. This is January 28th. I go back to my apartment. I go to sleep. I wake up the next day, and I feel the worst I've ever felt. My chest hurts from the amount of cigarettes I smoke. My body hurts from the amount of drinking. I have an open mic that night to go to at the Ten Roof. The girl's going to come and join me out there. I feel terrible. I don't drink that day. I try to smoke a cigarette with my roommate. I don't have the lung capacity to pull in the cigarette. So I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? I ended up picking up some dip so I could... um. 
you know, I ended up picking up some dip so I didn't have to smoke. And on Monday, I bought a book. I won't say the book, a religious-themed book. And that Monday, this is now... Uh, this is now January 30th. I haven't I didn't drink on the 29th and I've dipped on Sunday and on Monday but no cigarettes. And I read this book. Now I am still hurting from the hangover. The hangover is still affecting me. I feel so terrible. I'm reading this book, a religious book, and I break down. I read the entire book and I break down many times. I reconnect to God. And I pray, and I break down. I decide that I'm not gonna. I decide that I'm gonna take a break from drinking, a serious break. And uh, you know, because all this that I've talked about, all the good times. I mean, there is a million good times drinking. I I remember drinking fondly. I love drinking. I don't judge people that drink. It doesn't bother me to be around people that are drinking. I love it. But there were so many bad times. I mean, I got beat up. I got beat up really bad one time. I got into a fight, a bunch of people, got jumped in a, in a bar, uh, I got kicked in the face. Both of my eyes were swollen shut. I flipped a car. I rolled the car at least once because I knocked off both side mirrors. Uh, my friend Mike, his head was bleeding. Luckily, I got picked up by someone on James Allen and didn't get a DUI. I blacked out a lot. I lost a lot of friends. I ruined a bunch of relationships. But ultimately, those were not the things that led me to quit drinking. I had prayed many times about quitting drinking. I I wanted to quit drinking. Um, But I also knew that quitting drinking would mean a complete lifestyle change for me. I mean, every one of my friends that I had were drinking friends. Everything, every joke that I had as a comedian was about drinking. Everybody knew me as a big drinker. Uh, I had bartenders. I would walk into the bar. The bartender would throw a bourbon and Coke up on the, on the bar for me because they, they knew that's what I wanted. I was well-known in bars. People knew me as a guy that would go out and have a beer with you, have a good time. They also knew that I was a maniac if I had too many, but a fun maniac. I mean, I had a blast. It was a guy, I think this guy ended up dying, which is very sad, but I liked him. One night, he was kind of a weird dude, and he would play a little music at the upper deck once in a while. I don't mean Manny. Manny's still alive. Uh, There was a different guy, and uh, I think his name was Terry. And uh, I picked up Terry one night. Uh, He was upper king. I don't know. And I was like, you want to ride with me? And I I drove him. I don't even know where we went, but we just drove through downtown listening to the song by Kiss. Um uh, what is the song? Um, I don't even know if I can find it. I'm going to see if I can though. Um, oh yeah. It's the first one here. We're riding down the road. We got our fist out the window, just fist bumping it. We're just riding. I'm drunk. Harry's drunk. We got our hands out the window, fist bumping. Just feeling it. I got a cigarette in one hand, a beer in the other. Driving a car. Tonight, 
You know, I mean, I mean, I'm having the time of my life. <laughs> there are so many good times, but you only remember the good times. It's just like the Paul Simon song that I played. Uh, everything look, I mean, it's like all your memories look, look the best. I mean, it's like, uh, again, does the past exist? I don't know. Is it just something that's in my head that's telling me what a good time it was? But I also, if you spend time thinking about it, you can remember the bad, embarrassing times. Uh, the times where I ruined potential good relationships uh, or first dates or anything that I ruined. Um, there's a voicemail that I left to a girl that still haunts me to this day. It was just, she was, she was wrong. I mean, she was basically making out with another guy while we were on a date after we were at the bar and I got pretty upset, but the voicemail haunts me uh, because I was just so drunk and stupid. So I knew I needed to quit drinking. I knew that I needed to quit drinking. So in that moment, I'm, I'm praying I'm, I've broke down I decide I'm going to quit for a while. Wednesday, I quit dipping. So by the beginning of February, I had quit drinking, quit smoking, quit nicotine. And I just was like, I'm going to camp out inside for a little while. Uh, But comedy helped me uh, because I still had a weekly open mic that I had to host. So I began to host it sober. And it was hard at first. I mean, I quit drinking and I had an awakening. I had, uh, I felt like I had enlightenment suddenly. I was still working the pesticide job and the job that I wanted to quit. When I quit drinking, I wanted to quit comedy. I said, I'm going to quit comedy. All my jokes are about drinking. I don't even want to do that anymore. I have a different path. And... um. So, but I was like, I'm committed to a couple of things. I still have the open mic that I'm doing. And my friend Evan has a comedy competition locally that he wants me to do. So I'm still going to do that. And I just was like, just in this weird place of like, uh, I, because I was going to move to LA, I was going to quit the job selling pesticides. And now that I wasn't moving to LA, uh, because I, I, I was going to quit comedy, I now was stuck working the job. And I felt like half of me wanting to move to LA was really just me wanting to quit that job. And when that moment hit me, in that moment of clarity, in sobriety, I said, oh, I know how to quit this job. I said, I, I can't afford the car that I'm driving without the job. And I can't work the job without the car. So if I want to quit the job, I got to sell the car. My insurance had already gotten very expensive because I had had several wrecks. So my insurance got up to $400 a month one time. I switched insurance companies, got it back down to 200 but that's still expensive for one person. I got it down to 250 I think. I mean, it was unbelievable. And so I plotted and I planned how I would quit the job, how I would sell the car. And I knew I had a sales meeting coming up. And usually at the sales meeting, I'd get a $1,000 bonus. So I was like, I'm at least going to hold out for the sales meeting. So I'm at the sales meeting. I've been to many of these in the past. And uh, the, you know, the big business guys, they whip out their credit cards and they buy us all drinks. And we're all you know, kissing their feet to get free drinks and acting like this is the party of the century. And I made some friends there. I like a lot of people that work there. I mean, I got, I got no beef. 
but I'm just talking about the, 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 this is the corporate model. The, the big manager buys everybody drinks and we're all like, yay, he's putting it on his card, right? And we're wasted. And, uh, I had some wild times at those sales meetings. Actually, one of the sales meetings, the very first sales meeting I ever went to, this guy that I didn't know, but he worked for the company, talked me into going to a strip club in Atlanta. I didn't have any money. I checked my bank balance uh, by calling my phone with a stripper on my lap and realized that my first check had gone through and I spent a bunch of money in that club. That's the most money I ever spent. I don't even like strip clubs and I don't go to them. But I spent a bunch of money that time. <laughs> and uh, And so... We're at this sales meeting. I'm sober and I'm feeling empowered. I'm, I'm finally starting to feel power because I have taken my life back. Every morning I wake up and I'm, I beat all of the managers to breakfast because I'm sober. I feel good. My life feels good. I'm not hungover. And all the managers and all the other employees, I start seeing them come rolling in all hungover, looking terrible. And, and, and now they have no power over me. They can't buy me off with free drinks because I don't want the drinks. So I get my $1,000 bonus. I go home and I begin to figure out what to do about quitting this job. And I say, all right, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sell the car. I'm going to quit the job. So um, I, I'm, I, I, one Friday, my boss gets me on the phone with another boss and they're just fussing at me. They're just fussing at me about stuff they don't know anything about. They're just mad at me. They're just complaining at me. And it's like, I can already see how the job's going to go. I'm like, all right, I got to get out of this job. I had gotten a new boss, two new bosses, actually, and they just were on me. So I, that weekend, I thought about it. And then on Monday morning, I got up super early. I wrote an email turning in my two weeks notice. And this two weeks notice is where the joke comes from. Because that next two weeks, I'm now sober, I'm clear-minded, I'm clear-thinking, I'm beginning to take the power back. And I have started to eat healthier. I met with my old boss, Stu, Stu Barber, and Stu has uh, always been very honest with me. I had shaved the beard that I had. I was very fat. I looked bad. I uh, looked the worst that I had ever looked. No offense to anybody that is overweight either. I am a natural. I've been a very skinny person my whole life. Uh, weight doesn't look good on me. Some people carry it very well. I don't look good. I look bloated. My face looks bad. And I had a huge stomach. And he told me in that, he said, I don't know what you're doing, but you look terrible. He said, you got to do it. He said, I've never seen you look this bad before. You look terrible. And I had quit drinking. And he said, well, I don't know if you need to quit drinking. That seems extreme. And maybe it is, but I, he helped me develop a diet plan. I was eating, I was waking up in the morning. I was eating eggs and, and melons like honeydew melon cantaloupe. And then for, for, I would take carrots and celery as a snack. And then I would have just chicken breast. And that's what I began to eat. And I started to lose weight. I turned in the two week notice. My boss tried to talk me out of quitting. He called me, tried to talk me out of quitting. I wouldn't let him do it. I, I stayed firm. And over the next two weeks, I taught classes for pesticides. I did lots of work and it was amazing. I had, I was teaching one class on how to use pesticides and this guy kept challenging me. And, and, and after a minute I go, Hey, 
I go, you know what? I don't, I'm about to quit. I don't care. I don't care because I'm about to quit. He goes, oh, that's the attitude. I go, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And I had another manager. He's, he's fussing at me one day. I had moved all of the competitors' displays off the aisle, and I moved all of my displays on the aisle. And the manager comes on there, and he's fussing at me. And I'm telling, I'm, I'm trying to explain to him what I've done and why I've done it. And he says to me, he looks me dead in my eyes. He goes, the conversation is finished. Now, he laid the hammer down on me. He wanted me to know that he was in charge and what I had to say meant nothing. And for the previous, you know, eight years leading up to this, he was right. But I said to him, I looked him in his eyes and I said, I said, you know what? You can do whatever you want to do. You can take all those displays and throw them in the trash for all I care because I'm about to quit. <laughs> oh, and the power that surged through me, the look that came across his face, the look that came across his face was a look of just sheer, uh, all his power was taken from him. And he, he just suddenly got all nice and he was like, oh, you're quitting. What are you going to do? And <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. I put up my car for sale and I put in my two week notice on a Monday. I had my car. I also put up my car for sale on that Monday and that whole first week went by. And then by Wednesday of the next week, I had sold the car. Now I had to sell the car and I owed more on the car than the car was worth. So I sold the car and then it cost me two grand to pay off the loan. But I did that and it felt free. That girl that bought the car, we ended up becoming friends. She bought the car and dropped me off at a rental car place because I was going to rent a car for the next two days for Thursday and Friday so that I could finish my two weeks notice. And so I did that. I rented the car. And uh, in between this time, during this two-week notice, I had taken the bed. I had a very nasty bed. If you've heard my story about the mattress, I had a very nasty bed. And during that two-week notice, one night I was laying in bed around 2 a.m. I woke up and I decided I am going to get rid of this bed. And I dragged the bed outside by myself and threw it in the dumpster. I threw it in the Burns Alley dumpster. And I folded the mattress. And that part's not a lie. I say rolled it, but I folded. I folded the mattress in the dumpster and stomped on it until it was flat in there. And I was rid of that mattress. And I bought an air mattress. So during the two week notice, I used some of the time to go to bed, bath and beyond and buy a $300 air mattress. And I slept on that. I started to get rid of everything. So by the end of the two week notice, I dropped off that rental car and walked home. I was carless. I was jobless. And I now had not drank for about a month and a half. I was starting to feel the best I had ever felt in my life. I could not believe the, the, the confidence that was surging in me. I couldn't believe, because not only had, I mean, I had tackled the greatest, the biggest demon of my life, which was alcohol. I, I couldn't shake it. And now I had shaken it. Previously, I had drank for a month. I had quit for a month before. That wasn't some big feat, but a month and a half. That was huge because usually I'd quit for a month and then come back to drinking with power because 
no matter how, how long I had quit drinking before, the moment I came back, I came back heavy. So this time I'd gone for a month and a half and I was like, well, this is amazing. In a month and a half, I've, I've sold the car that I was, that I was trapped by. I've, I've got rid of a job that I've been stuck in for a long time that I wanted to be out of. I, I don't even care about comedy at this point. I'm, I don't, I don't feel the ego of comedy. My, 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 my new connection to God had, had freed me up from so many things because I no longer wanted so many material things that I was in a free place. And walking home from the rental car company back to my apartment was the most amazing feeling. I walked home and then I walked down to Hyman's and I asked, could I have my job back? And they said, yeah. And I, they said, when would you like to start? I said, how about Monday? They said, okay, perfect. So I was working Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday in the morning. I took the weekend off Saturday and Sunday. I hung out with no one, really. I had a roommate that I liked, but I didn't hang out with anyone, really. I had to do a complete life change. I changed. I wasn't going out because I didn't drink anymore. I was barely doing comedy. I changed the entire way that I ate. Now without drinking, I mean, I used to run down to a place to get food because, you know, I had, I had just a small amount of time in between work and getting to the bar. Now I had tons of free time. I would walk to the grocery store, carry my groceries back. I bought a bike. On the last day of my job, I bought a bike. I still own that bike. And I was now going to ride a bike. I was carless. I was now going to ride a bike. And I got myself a gym membership at Planet Fitness. And I had begun going there before quitting the job. And the, the gym was seven miles from my apartment. And so I remember the first time I got on my bike before the sun came up, before work. And I rode that bike. And halfway there, I had to stop and get off because my legs were burning. But that was the only time I ever did that was that first time. I rode my bike there seven miles. I worked out, and then I rode seven miles home. I did that three times a week. In that first two months of quitting drinking, I changed my diet. I lost 40 pounds. I felt amazing. I worked three days a week. I began to host trivia two nights a week. Now, no shotgunning beers in the back room while hosting trivia. I could read the questions very well. I became a great trivia host and I started hosting the open mic on Wednesday. So I had Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, stuff to do. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday was completely free. It was all that I wanted. I had enough money. I had no insurance, but I had no concerns. I had enough money now because I didn't spend my money on cigarettes and booze and car insurance. I had plenty of money. I hosted a monthly show at Theater 99. Now, I wanted to quit comedy. Keep in mind, I was ready to quit comedy, and I went and did my buddy Evan Burke's um, competition that he did. I think it was called Parade of Fools, something like that. It was me and Bill Davis and Dave Corley and Vince Fabra and Stan Shelby all competed. Uh, we did three rounds in one night, and I ended up winning. And although it was a small competition with not very much audience, winning felt good. And I thought, you know what? Maybe I do enjoy comedy. Maybe I will keep doing this. 
So I just decided to go about comedy differently. I wouldn't write drinking jokes. And then I did a slightly rapish joke one night, and I got a bad write-up. I had a good set, but I got a bad write-up by the local paper. So in that moment, I decided, you know what? I'll just do con- I'll just do clean. I'm already pretty clean anyway, but if I'm going to get a bad write-up for something like this, I'm just going to be clean. So I began to do clean comedy, and that's where it all happened. I mean, that was 2012, and... By the end of 2012, I had re-entered the Charleston Comedy Competition. And my understanding was in 2011, I won by two votes. I barely won, but I won by two votes. 2012, I won by a landslide because my comedy had gotten so tight because I could now focus My brain cleared up because I wasn't drinking. I wasn't drinking every night, clouding up my brain. It was, it was free to think. I had newfound confidence because I was getting my body into a good physical condition. I was connected to God now. I felt good. I had a, a spiritually, physically, mentally, I, all three, I was better than I had ever been. And I didn't connect to God through a church or through somebody else's way. I connected through my own way and reading the Bible. I I, I, my diet had changed so much that I was actually finally getting vitamins into my body as opposed to just poison, as opposed to bad bread. I was um, doing comedy uh, in a clean way because I was, I was living clean. And so I was, I was doing, I was, you know, just doing it a clean way. I mean, and now I was I felt amazing. I mean, there was no slowing me down. I felt amazing. I rode a bike everywhere. I was listening. I mean, around this time, I started listening to, um, I remember fondly riding my bike and listening to this song. I mean, I don't know if that song has any relevance to what I'm talking about, but I remember fondly riding my, I mean, the Monday that I went to work, back to work at Hyman's was the most beautiful day I had ever experienced. I had been living in this beautiful city of Charleston, South Carolina since 2004, and now here I am, 2012, walking down the street sober, I've been up since seven walking down the street sober after having a good, nutritious breakfast with a Starbucks cup in my hand, looking at this city. Here it is around 9.30. I'm headed to work, and I'm taking in the beautiful city. I began biking around the city and and appreciating it in a way that I had never seen it before. I can walk around that city, city and point to you places I've been kicked out of, places I've passed out, places I've thrown up. I can point those all out to you. But none of those mean what that last two years in Charleston meant to me. 
being able to see the city, being able to experience the way that I could, going down to the battery and just staring at the water, going down to Waterfront Park and watching the dolphins come in at night. I mean, it's unbelievable. And, and the thing is, I took my life back. And that's the important thing. If you're out there right now struggling with drinking, especially during this quarantine time, you're trapped at home and you're like, oh, I don't want to drink every day. I just want to do something else. Well, I'm just telling you that it is not easy. It is a, uh, for me, it was a complete life change. I had to change everything that I was doing. I lost a ton of friends. So many of my drinking friends were gone because, and it's not their fault. I'm not mad at them. We were friends based around drinking. They still want to drink. They probably don't have problems like I did. They still want to keep drinking, but I, I needed to quit. And it was a complete life change, and it was not easy. But I keep in mind, I remember the good times, and I, and I love to talk about fun times drinking, but I, I keep in mind the bad things. I remember the bad times, and I want to remember the bad times. And I want to, I read the Alcoholics Anonymous book. The big blue book. I know from reading those stories and from talking to people that when you quit drinking and you start again, it's it's worse. And it oftentimes can be harder to quit. It oftentimes can be way worse. I've got a lot of alcoholic friends. I got a lot of sober friends. And it feels good. I mean, my life is great. And I feel good. And it started with, with, with that moment, 2012 is when it started. I mean, I, I, I remember drinking so fondly, but the last eight years that I've not drank have been infinitely better. By 2013, I decided I had saved enough money. My friend Derek was now living in New York and his apartment came open. And I asked him, I said, do you think your landlord would let me rent that room for one month? And he said, let me check. And so he let me rent that room and I was able to afford to go up there and spend the money on that apartment as well as keep my apartment in Charleston because I had been saving. And I mean, that was the beginning. That 2013 was really the beginning of, of, of what I'm doing now, but it all, it all started with, with not drinking and, um, so I just want want you to know that, you know, if that's something that you're struggling with and you think, well, if I quit drinking, how will I hang out with people? How will I make friends? How will I do anything? Um, and I think that you'll find a way. I think, you know, as much time as we all spend on the Internet, to think of the Internet disappearing uh, is, is, is somehow a frightening thought to us because so much of our life is dependent on the internet. But if the internet is one day gone, we're going to be fine. We're going to adjust and we're going to figure out what to do. Um, just the same way you'll feel like you'll figure out what to do. You'll quit drinking and you'll go, all right, well, every night I would go do this. I would go to this bar and now I miss that. Your trivia won't be as fun without drinking, but you can still do it. I mean, I did a lot of things. I went to a lot of bars after quitting drinking and I'm still in bars all the time doing comedy. It doesn't bother me to be around it. 
but the AA principles uh, of quitting drinking, which I didn't use AA, but a friend of mine gave me an AA book a long time before I quit drinking and I read it. It's worth reading. And the AA principles uh, talk about, you know, admitting that you don't have control of your drinking and giving it up to a higher power. Now, the book doesn't specify what that higher power is. To me, the higher power is Jesus. I don't know what it is for you, but giving it up to a higher power is what ultimately helped me get out of that. And, um, but so many factors went into it. I mean, drink, uh, comedy really helped me because it still gave me the social outlet that I needed for so many people. They quit drinking and their only social outlet was drinking. So now that they're not drinking, they don't have that anymore. So they yearn for the social outlet. They end up going back to drinking just so they can get out and talk to people. But there's lots of things you can do. I mean, Hannah, my wife, has been playing soccer up until this quarantine thing went down. She had joined a soccer league. There's so many things that you can do. And so many of those things that seem ridiculous and cheesy and not fun, once you eliminate drinking, so much other stuff becomes fun. So I just hope I hope that this was encouraging. I am... Um, I will answer questions. I, I, at least I'll try. Uh, Dusty Slay Comedy at gmail.com if you have questions. Uh, I will try. I'm not pretending. I'm not going to be your sponsor. I'm not pretending to uh, have all the answers. But that's my story. And I love it. I mean, it's all a story of good news for me. And uh, it can be for you too. So this song, this is a bit of a religious song. Uh, but I like this guy because he's got a cool feel to him. But this song means a lot to me. And um, I'm going to play this to end the podcast, and at least some of it. And, um, and then, and that's it. We're having a good time. I appreciate you tuning in.
If you made it through that whole song, that's Josh Garrels. That song is called Don't Wait For Me. That ending is my favorite part of the whole song. That last line, I'm going to play it one more time, then we're out of here. Thank you for tuning in. I've had a great time doing this. This is a super fun time. I love talking about drinking. But I also like talking about quitting drinking because it's the best thing I ever did for myself. Here it is. I'm going to where I've been